So we are still uh, looking at the judges of Israel. And if you're counting, this is part 12. And we have a whole bunch of parts coming. So part 12 tonight. Uh, and, and I really struggled with a title for tonight. I, I just couldn't settle on anything. So I just went with Farewell Gideon. So, so because it's going to be our last week in, for Gideon. So Farewell Gideon. Uh, so it's just, just kind of the only thing I can come up with. Uh, not very spiritual there. It's just it is what it is. Uh, so it will be our last week looking at Gideon as judge of Israel. Um, I feel like he's my buddy. I've been you know, talking about him for a long time here. Uh, we're going to see the end of the battle against Midian tonight as well. Uh, we will be able to get some practical lessons from this last chapter of Gideon's life. So when we get right into it, we're going to look at first that there are some offended brothers. Some offended brothers. Look at Judges chapter 8. And we'll start in verse 1. It says, uh, Judges 8, 1, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou calledest us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb, and what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their answer or their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. Uh, so the men of Ephraim here they're mad. They're they're upset. Uh, the men of Ephraim were mad at Gideon because uh, they were not included in, with this fight with the Midianites. Uh, and in my opinion, that's a very silly thing to be mad about. Um, I would probably be happy if I didn't have to go to war and, and be involved in this battle. It wasn't a very pleasant thing to be involved in, but they were mad about it. And sometimes people just get mad about the silliest things. Uh, they were mad at Gideon that they did not get called into this battle. They were so mad that they decided they needed to confront Gideon. Now, if something offends you or it upsets you, if something makes you mad or somebody upsets you or somebody makes you mad, at some point it would be good and it would be right for you to talk directly with that person that caused that. Uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 18 that we should uh, deal directly with our brother that trespasses against us. Uh, so doing so is a good thing. We can and should in most cases go directly to that person alone and get things fixed and get things settled. Sometimes, though, I think that this is probably rare instances, but sometimes I think it would be okay to not say anything at all and just move on in your own life. I have had people say or do things to me in my life uh, in the past that has offended me. It's upset me. Um, things that I didn't think was right. Uh, and on occasion, some, uh, for some of those times, I did not need to go to that person and deal with it because through prayer and leading of God, I, I could just get over it and move past it and continue serving without making a big deal out of it. So sometimes you can just move on through God's help. Again, I think that most of the time it's probably best to deal with the person and get things right. But again, on occasion, we might be able to live in harmony with that person uh, without making a bigger issue out of whatever it was that happened. Uh, so how do you know which path to take? How do you know 
if you should say something or shouldn't say something, well, just simply pray. Uh, rely on God to give you direction. Uh, if you cannot forgive them, that person, and you cannot move on and continue serving God uh, without allowing that issue to bother you as you move forward, then you definitely need to go talk to them and get things fixed. Uh, if it is that rare occasion that you can move on and serve God alongside of them without any more discussion on the issue, uh, then that would be okay to do so as well. Again, I've done that. It, it is possible through God. Uh, I'll, I'll warn you, though, that that does take a mature and strong Christian to do that. It's not easy to not allow some events to affect you uh, and your relationship with that person because ultimately you want to have a good relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ and be able to serve God with them. Uh, so if you are in doubt, uh, go to them and address the issue. And that is what Ephraim does here. They approach Gideon uh, with this thing that they were so mad about, they were so upset about. Uh, so was Ephraim right to do so? Uh, well, yes, they started off right. Uh, they started off doing the right thing by going to Gideon because this upset them so much uh, that they felt like they had to go to Gideon and deal with this issue. Uh, but they did do something wrong. Uh, Ephraim had a contentious attitude. They had a contentious attitude. The end of verse 1 there it says, and they did chide with him sharply. Ephraim did chide with Gideon sharply. Uh, chide means to scold, to use words in anger, uh, to contend with them noisily. Uh, and I find that word noisily troublesome because you are trying to make people hear you. Uh, you're trying to get people uh, to hear this situation, and that's very troublesome. Uh, first of all, Ephraim went to Gideon with the wrong attitude. Uh, they went to attack. Uh, they were ready to fight. They were using loud, angry words, uh, words to attack him. Uh, and the, the word chai here gives us proof that they also had an angry and mean tone uh, to their words that they were using with Gideon. Uh, they went to Gideon ready to fight. Uh, if you're offended or you're hurt or upset by someone, uh, whether you are right or not, if you go to them with this kind of attitude, you are now in the wrong, whether you are right or not to begin with. It's not okay to handle a situation with someone with this kind of attitude. Uh, the kind of attitude that shows that you're more concerned with pointing out that you're right than you are concerned with fixing the relationship between you and your brother. Uh, and then uh, you're not concerned about continuing to serve the Lord alongside them. This kind of attitude, entering with a contentious attitude, will not make things better. Uh, this is only going to complicate things and make things harder to fix. Uh, this will only make the whole thing worse and it will draw people away from God. Uh, we need to make sure that we have the right intentions when entering this kind of situation. And we need to have the intention of making things better and helping uh, each other stay close to God and to continue serving God together. How do you do that? Through God's help, through a lot of prayer, uh, relying on God and having the right attitude when you go to address the situation. That's how Ephraim should have handled the situation, but they didn't. They had a contentious attitude. Uh, now let's see Gideon's response to 
this contentious Ephraim. Look at verse 2. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizer? Uh, notice Gideon did not argue with them uh, over this situation. He didn't fight with them. Gideon actually helped them see the bigger picture, uh, that they were actually too narrowly thinking to see. Proverbs 15:1, A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Now there's two paths uh, that could have been taken here. Gideon could have answered them with grievous words, and there could have been a huge wedge driven between them, between both of them, Gideon and Ephraim. And and they could have just kept on fighting. Uh, But Gideon had what Proverbs calls a soft answer. Uh, Gideon showed wisdom here. Gideon was the bigger person here. He gave a good and a soft answer as to not make things worse. Uh, Sometimes uh, we will have to be the bigger person like Gideon was. And I know it's not easy. We just want to tell them how it is. Uh, But that will not be helpful in the long run. Look at verse 3. God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. Uh, Gideon tells them that God took care of them. In the whole uh, situation, in the battle in their area there, God took care of them. And they should be thankful for that. Uh, This allows their anger to calm down. And now they can all go on helping to serve God. Now, one last thing about this situation. Uh, Things were contentious. Uh, People were angry. They were mad. They weren't saying very nice things. But as soon as that conversation moved back to God, where it should be, then everything got better. And the issue was then able to be resolved. Uh, Let's keep our eyes and our conversations on God, and we can avoid a lot of these kind of issues and situations. Next, let's look at Gideon and the army needing assistance. Gideon and the army needs assistance. Look at verse 4. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him, faint yet pursuing them. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me. For they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the princes of Succoth said... Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Penuel, and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. And he spake also unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Uh, So we see here that Gideon and the army, they need help. We see that in verse 4. Gideon and the army, they actually need physical help. They need food. They're they're tired. They're weak. They want food. Uh, Gideon and the army, they kept pursuing the enemy, and now they're faint. They're tired. They're weak. They're hungry. They're lacking nutrients. Uh, they, they're lacking what they need to stay strong and healthy. 
There are going to be times in our life when we need some physical help, just like they did here. Uh, we may not be in great health, maybe. Or, or maybe we're working hard and we just get weak and tired. Maybe we're worn out over many days and weeks and years of, of life and work and all that's going on. But there's going to be times when we are faint. Uh, th- this may be physical, but it may also be spiritual. Uh, there may be times in our life where we are spiritually faint. Uh, we may be dealing with spiritual battles in our life. Maybe we're dealing, dealing with spiritual matters in our home or maybe in our extended family. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's just Satan is attacking you and, and just against you in your own personal life. But there will be times where we are spiritually faint. Uh, in either case, don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, look at verse 5. And he said, that's Gideon, said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, of loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint. Gideon asked for help. Gideon and the army, they stopped and they asked for help from the men of Succoth. And this is okay. This is fine. If they need help, then they need to ask for help. We also need to ask for help when we need it. Uh, No matter what it is that we need help with. People can't help us if we don't ask. It is very unlikely, uh, probably never going to happen, for someone to come up to you and ask you to try to help you with the exact thing you need help with unless you ask them. Because they won't know what it is that you need help with. Uh, I do think, though, I do think that we can do a better job of asking each other if they need help. Uh, and it would be very helpful if we also would be willing to stop and ask for help if needed. Uh, but we could also do a better job of asking if others need help. If we're in a position of being able to help, we should help. Uh, I've seen a picture online. I've seen it this week, but I know I've seen it before, so it must be older. Uh, but it's this guy, and he's just unwilling to ask for help. He does not want to ask for help. So he has to move a couch. And this couch looks like, you know, a full-size couch, however long that is, like eight foot or whatever. And uh, he's all by himself, and he's, uh, like, on the sidewalk going up the driveway or something. And he's got one end of the couch, right? And so eight feet away from him, instead of asking someone to help him move this couch, he has one of those office chairs on wheels holding the other end of the couch, right? And so he's just pulling this thing, and the chair's just, you know, coming along with them or whatever. Because this guy wouldn't ask for help. And then I think that's what it said at, at top, like he's too stubborn to ask for help or whatever. Uh, we need to make sure we're willing to ask for help. Don't try moving the couch all by yourself. Give someone a call. Ask for help. Especially if it's a spiritual matter. We'd be happy to help each other. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you're in a situation of needing help, make sure you are willing to help uh, someone or willing to ask for help if needed. Uh, We also see that the men of Succoth had selfish desires. Look at verse 6. And the princes of Succoth said, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? Uh, These men, what they're actually saying here is, What's in it for me? Uh, What what good is it in there for me? Uh, This is not the right attitude to have. Uh, This is not the attitude we should have as a Christian. Uh, could you imagine if Jesus had that attitude when God sent him here to earth for us? 
Jesus had nothing to gain by coming to earth, and he had everything to lose by coming to earth. Uh, he, Jesus was more concerned about what we could gain by him coming to earth than what he could gain. And, and praise God that Jesus cared more about us than he cared about himself. Uh, these men here, though, they were thinking of themselves. Uh, they were not thinking about others. And this attitude is, uh, this is the attitude we should have walking through life, the attitude of Jesus, uh, of what we can do to help others instead of a selfish attitude of what is in it for me. We should be looking around for people we can help and things we can do for each other. Uh, could you imagine how much better and how much more pleasant this world would be if everybody had that attitude? Or even if just Christians had that attitude, how much better this world would be? Uh, this is how Jesus lived every day of his ministry on earth. He looked for people to help, and then he went and helped them, and he used that as a way to tell them of salvation. The men of Succoth here, they had selfish desires in verses 5 and 6, and then this causes others to follow their lead. Causes others to follow their lead. Look at verse 8. And he went up thence to Penuel and spake unto them likewise. So he told them, hey, we're tired. We've been out here all night chasing down uh, the Midianites and, and Zeba and Zalmunna here. And uh, could you spare some bread? That's what Gideon asked them. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. They said the same thing that these other men did. Succoth started off with the wrong intentions, uh, with an attitude of what's in it for me, and then Penuel follows their lead and starts putting themselves first also. Well, attitudes are contagious. Uh, attitudes are very contagious. There's a, uh, a movie that I liked when I was a teenager. It was about football, so pretty much the, the main reason I liked it. And uh, th this team, they had, uh, you know, a lot of members on the team that did not like each other. Uh, they were fighting with each other all the time. They didn't like each other. And so on defense, for whatever reason, they had two captains. Uh, and the two captains are arguing together about the team and, and, uh, and how come everybody's not playing better and doing their job better. And, and the one guy uh, says to the other captain uh, that uh, he, you know, basically uh, he's going to look out for himself. He's going to do whatever he needs to to protect himself and, and do whatever he needs to to make his um, you know, self look better and, and all that. And then the, the other captain says to him uh, that that's the wrong attitude to have. And that's very true. That is the wrong attitude to have. And then this, other, this first guy, he says, well, attitude reflects leadership. Attitude reflects leadership. So it started all at the top. These two guys are uh, supposed to be leading the team have the wrong attitude, and everybody underneath them had the wrong attitude as well because attitudes are contagious. Uh, now, I've worked jobs that people were happy. Uh, it's very rare, but I have, and uh, they like their life. You, could you imagine you know, going to work and people actually like their life, uh, and, and they even tolerate their job, uh, and, and when they talk, they're happy. They have a happy tone. They have a pleasant look on their face. They're just good and pleasant to be around, and this catches on and everybody around them all is happy and pleasant as well but then i've also worked in places uh, where everything seems to be going okay everybody's all right and someone comes in with this horrible bad attitude complaining about everything complaining about the 
uh, employer and the job they have to do and talking about how they're only going to look out for themselves and, and what's in it for me all the time. And he doesn't care about anybody else. And next thing you know, everybody in the whole place has the same attitude because it is contagious. Attitudes are contagious. Uh, Sucketh could have been helpful and could have been a blessing, but they weren't. Uh, If they would have, then Penuel could have seen that. They could have heard of it. They could have heard of, oh, look at this. These people over here, they just helped out. They did a great thing. I'm going to do a good thing, too. Uh, they would have been more inclined to be helpful as well. People will notice our attitudes. I noticed this morning before Sunday school, people were laughing. I seen people smiling. It was great to see people happy in the house of the Lord. Uh, it made me in a better, I was already in a good mood anyways, but it just improved it. It made it even better. I was even more excited to be here uh, when I hear people laughing, uh, as long as they're not laughing at me, right? Uh, but it's okay. You can laugh at me as long as we're all happy. But attitudes are contagious. We need to be careful of our attitude and our actions so that we don't hinder other people from doing good and doing right. Let's be people that encourage other people with our good attitude and encourage them to have a good attitude, encourage them to be helpful, and encourage them to be happy as well. So now, where are we at in this war? It seems like we kind of just lost what was going on here. At least that's how I felt when I was going through this. So I just wanted to pause a second and just figure out where are we at in this war. It seems like it's kind of dragging on a little bit. Uh, so look at verse 10. Now, Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor, and their host with them, about 15,000 men, all that were left of the host of the children of the east, for there fell 120,000 men, that drew the sword. So we have here uh, the Midian, uh, Midianite here and the children of the east, and we have Zeba and Zalmunna and 15,000 that are left. And we've seen that there was Midianite princes, Oreb and Zeb, defeated back in 725, it says there. And they took the two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb and pursued Midian. And brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. So we've seen that those guys, the princes there, were already defeated. Uh, now we have Gideon and the 300 men, and they're chasing down the remaining enemies here. Uh, look at verse 11. And Gideon uh, went up by the way of them that dwell in tents on the east of Nobah and Jogbaha. And smote the host, for the host was secure. And when Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued after them and took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and discomforted all the host. And Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up. If you catch that again, he's working all night again. He's a a midnight guy, I guess. Uh, He's just always working all night for the Lord there. Uh, So Gideon and the 300 men, they chased down throughout the entire night. And they defeat these 15,000 men. Uh, and they capture Zeba and Zalmunna. And they're kept alive for a short amount of time. But they too are killed for their wickedness. And for what they did in slaying some of the children of Israel. Uh, so that's the battle there. That's where we're at in this battle. So uh, I want to look back at what happened uh, to Succoth and Penuel. And we'll just cover this quickly. But they paid consequences for their actions they stood in the way of the work of the lord and they paid a price for it 
Uh, for time, we're not going to read the verses, but it's 14, 15, and 16. Uh, this is a direct consequence for their earlier actions towards Gideon and the 300 men in God's army. Gideon and the army were doing the work of the Lord. And it's important to know that they were doing the work of the Lord. God called and told Gideon to do what they were doing right then. And they were all being obedient to this calling. They were in the middle of the work of the Lord and they needed some help. But the men of Succoth and Penuel refused to help the work of the Lord get done. And they were hindering it. Well, they were at least trying to be in the way of it getting done. And these actions are what they paid for and paid the price of in those verses 14, 15, and 16. But we need to be careful and make sure that we don't get in the way of the work of the Lord. Notice, though, that God's work was still done. And all 300 of the men, plus Gideon, made it home safely. Uh, so trying to stop the work of the Lord, first, it, it's foolish. Uh, but it also won't work. Uh, you might make it harder for the people. You might hurt the people. You might put extra burden on them, but God will make sure his work is still done. Uh, just like it did for Gideon and these 300 men. Uh, also, if you hinder the work of the Lord, if we get in the way, there will be consequences for our actions. So make sure you don't get in the way of the work of the Lord. Next, after this, after this uh, battle is winding down here, uh, we see that Gideon is asked to rule over Israel. Uh, Gideon's asked to rule over Israel. So let's pick up reading in verse 22. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Uh, Gideon refused to be promoted higher than God designed for him to be. Uh, Gideon knew where he was supposed to be. Uh, Gideon knew his place. He, Gideon knew God's will for him, and he was right where God wanted him to be. Uh, Gideon did not look at this prestigious position that they are offering him and get greedy and start walking off the path that God had for him. Uh, if you know your place, if you know where God wants you to be and what God wants you to be doing, don't go looking for something else. And if something else is presented to you, don't leave God's will to go do it. Uh, now, with that said, God does change uh, locations and positions of people, and we see it throughout his word. Uh, it does happen. Abraham had to leave and go to a new place. Uh, Elijah was in multiple places. Israel, they were all over the place. They spent years and years traveling around. Uh, I also think of Paul and the, the disciples. They moved around different locations. But the difference is, in all of these examples, it was God's will for that change. The key is, what is God's will? And God will make it known if you ask. If you're wondering, God doesn't want it to be a secret. God doesn't want to confuse you. Uh, God wants you to know. So ask God and then follow God's leading. Now, in this case, it was not God's will for Gideon to make this change. Now, we can see this and we can know that, that it's not God's will and Gideon also knew this as well, and that's why he gave them that answer. Uh, it was not God's will for Israel to have a king. So there's no way 
that it was God's will for Gideon to become a ruling king over Israel. Uh, Gideon also here in his answer to them, he puts God in his rightful place. Look at verse 23 again. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Uh, Gideon made it known that God will be their king and God will be their ruler. It is God's place to be the king and not Gideon's place or his son's place or anyone's place. Uh, are we putting God in the rightful place of ruler and king of our life? Uh, is God the ruler of this church? Is God the king of this church? Is God the king of our own personal life? We need to make sure that we are purposely putting God as the ruler and king of our life. And then we get in line behind him and follow him. We need to make sure that we're stepping down in all the areas of our life and allowing God to be the king and ruler over every part of our life. Now, after this, after this great decision Gideon makes here and these great words he says, he now makes a foolish decision. Uh, Gideon makes a foolish decision. We'll take a look in verse 24. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you that ye would give me every man the earrings of his prey, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, we will willingly give them. And they separated or spread a garment and did cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. And the weight of the gold golden earrings that he requested was a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold beside ornaments the collar and collars and a purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian and besides the chains that were about the camel's necks. And Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in his city, even in Ophrah, and all Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. So we see here Gideon doesn't make a very wise decision. I think Gideon was trying to make a big deal or a big event out of out of this situation right here. Uh, sometimes people want to make things a thing, you know. Uh, if you watch any videos online, everything is a thing. It's all a trend. Everybody wants to, you know, get on board and do this thing. If you ever see anybody doing something on a video, somebody else had already done that and they're just copying them. Uh, but because everybody wants to make something a thing. Uh, I think Gideon was trying to make something here. He was trying to fabricate something. Uh, this thing he was trying to do uh, was not good. It did not point anyone to God. Uh, it didn't encourage anyone to serve the Lord. It didn't make anyone's relationship better with God. Uh, also, and more importantly, God never asked Gideon to do this. Gideon was trying to do this, this big thing, uh, and it was never something that God wanted him to do. Look at verse 24. It says, Gideon said, and then it says, I would desire and give me. Nowhere in there is it mentioned, God asked me to do this. God wants this done. Uh, God never asked Gideon to do this. God never asked Gideon to collect all the gold and make this ephod. Uh, Gideon, by doing all this, creates a stumbling block. Look at verse 27 again. And Gideon made an ephod thereof. And put it in his city, even Ophrah, and all Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. He created a stumbling block here. 
Uh, this thing he did, making this ephod, was hurtful to himself. It was a snare to himself. It was something that he could never get past here. Uh, this thing was also became something that was a stumbling block to everyone else, too, and everyone around him. Uh, Romans 14, 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. We have a responsibility there. We cannot do anything that will be a stumbling block to our brothers or sisters in Christ. Even if that thing we want to do isn't sinful on its own, but we must uh, take care and care more about others than ourselves. Uh, no matter what we uh, do, we need to be aware of the fact that we could create a stumbling block in our brothers and sisters' lives. We need to be actively looking to make sure that we don't create one. One of the last things we see in Gideon's life is that he did something that was a stumbling block to others. Uh, let's be known for helping others and not hurting them. Uh, now, let's look at how the battle is over. Let's kind of calculate the, the ending of the battle here. Look at verse 28. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. So the battle's over. Uh, God used 301 men to defeat thousands of men. We've seen in verse 4 that there was 300 men plus Gideon still chasing down those last few men. Uh, we've seen in verse 10 that there was 15,000 men with Ziba and Zalmunna. It actually says about 15,000. And also it says that 120,000 had already been slain. So that was 301 men against 135,000 men. Uh, God, again, uses the smaller. God uses the lesser, the weaker, because God is able to show that he is God. Uh, not only did God allow them to win this battle, but God did not let any one of those men die. Uh, they started with 301 men, and they finished with 301 men. That's how awesome our God is. For the uh, Luke 1.37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. In Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Now, this is a miracle. 301 verse uh, 135,000, that's a miracle. Uh, I see it as a miracle. But to God, it was nothing. To God, it was easy. To God, it was possible. With men, it is impossible. But with God, it is possible. Because he is God. Now, the last thing we're going to look at tonight is Gideon's rest and death. Uh, look again at verse 28. Uh, towards the end there, it says, And the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. And Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, which is Gideon, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son whose name he called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. So we see that Gideon and Israel 
they finally get some rest from their enemies and they actually get 40 years of rest. Gideon served God and the people served God under Gideon. And they're now uh, close to God. They're now their right relationship is right with God again. And God gave them some rest. Now, I, th- I think of this as uh, similar to a job. Uh, you don't go to work, clock in, and then go right on break, do you? Probably not. Your boss would not like that. You probably wouldn't have a job very long. I know some people that would clock in and disappear, uh, but that's also not right either. Uh, but that's not what Gideon did. Uh, Gideon took his position seriously. Uh, Gideon didn't take the position of judge and then just sit around all day resting. He didn't go and hide. He got to work. He did the work of the Lord. He served God. And then God blesses him for it by giving him and Israel peace from their enemies. Uh, Gideon also lives a long life. God blesses Gideon with a long life. And this is most likely due to Gideon's obedience and the work he did for the Lord. Gideon served God. Uh, but Gideon was not perfect. We've seen through his life he wasn't perfect. Uh, he needed a little extra encouragement in the beginning from God to get him going and to get him serving. But he was willing to do it, and he eventually did do it. Uh, we've seen tonight that sometimes we might get offended by a brother or sister in Christ. It, it, that might surprise you, but it could happen. Uh, we are human. We're not perfect. So this can, and it probably will happen at some point. We need to make sure if that does happen, if we come along that situation in our life or whatever side of it we're on, we need to make sure that we handle it correctly with the right heart and the right attitude. As long as we do this and we desire to repair the relationship, uh, then we can continue serving God together and continue getting the work of the Lord done. Uh, We also seen that in uh, times that we might need some help on our path, Uh, we need to be willing to ask for help. So if you need help tonight, ask. Don't be afraid. Ask. Uh, We will all love to help you. Uh, If someone asks you for help, please give it. Uh, Put yourself aside for a bit and and think about how you can help them and care for them. We need to make sure that we are also putting God first and asking God and, and allowing God to be the ruler, the king of all areas of our life. Uh, Once we put God in his rightful place as ruler of our life, then we need to get out of the way and allow him to work. Uh, We need to follow him and keep serving him. We need to make sure that we're not getting in the way of the work of the Lord. We've seen tonight that there will be consequences for hindering the work of the Lord. Uh, Let's not stop the work of the Lord, or at least not try to stop the work of the Lord. Uh, Let's get out of the way of God. Let's let God rule over our life and let's keep on following God and serving the Lord. Let's pray.